Hello, fellow innovators. This is Patrick Emmons. And this is Shelly Nelson. Welcome to the Innovation and the Digital Enterprise Podcast, where we interview successful visionaries and leaders, giving you an insight into how they drive and support innovation within their organizations. Today, we're welcoming Matt Dabari to the show. Matt is the Chief Product Officer at Spot Hero. He is primarily responsible for product vision and strategy, bringing together his love of product innovation and more than a decade of automotive experience. Prior to Spot Hero, Matt was the Senior Director of Product Management at Cars.com, where he led product management teams working on all aspects of the Cars.com marketplace and technologies. Before joining Cars.com, Matt honed his automotive expertise at CDK Global, where he was responsible for a global team developing automotive retail and accounting systems with product revenues of up to 100 million annually. Matt has a BA in computer science, math and philosophy from Augustana College and has an MS, MIS and MBA from the University of Illinois at Chicago. Welcome to the show, Matt. No, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. I've you know, been uh, a big fan of Patrick and the, the team at um, the Chicago Innovation has been doing for a long time. And um, I'm happy to give back to Chicago and, and, and help us grow the city as much as possible. So, Awesome. And it's always it's a joy having you on the show and participate in the roundtable and all the other things that we're working on together. So, But Matt, what we want is we want to hear about uh, a little bit about yourself and uh, your role at Spot Hero. Yeah, so um, just in case people don't know what Spot Hero is, I'll give a little background on the company and then I'll dive into me. Um, you know, Spot Hero is the, the, the leader of digital parking in North America. We're in 300 some odd cities across US and Canada um, with our main focus really being able to um, take the stress out of travel, right? So we make it easier to park, make it easier to drive so you can get to your destinations. Um, and, uh, you know, currently like everyone else probably, you know, we're, we're hiring. So um, can't, can't not you know, get that plug in. Um, as far as me, I joined here two and a half years ago. Uh, I fell in love with marketplaces at cars.com, which you just heard about. Um, I really loved uh, the B2B challenges and the B2C challenges. That's one of the few places, um, especially in Chicago, where you get to do both. That, that's a great point. Yeah, our consumer grants are starting to grow, you know, you know, Groupon cars, you know, some of the older guard and then, um, you know, take it to Grubhub or some of the newer stuff we have that are, that are marketplace-like. But, um, you know, it's one of those things that I fell in love with, which is, you can do lean, test and learn, try lots of things with lots of consumers on the uh, on the B2C side, right? I can launch a test today, get a couple hundred thousand people looking at it by the end of the day and, and get some great feedback. Um, but then in the meanwhile, I also get to lead a team of, that work really hard on solving really difficult B2B problems that take a lot longer and take a lot more focus and deeper thought. Um, and you just can't get that everywhere, right? So um, I fell in love with that, moved over to Spot Hero to kind of take on that challenge from more of a growth perspective in a place that's just rapidly changing every day. It's a great point on the B2B and B2C because Chicago is very, very big on the B2B, right? It's, it's definitely our strength, right? It's something that where tech goes to work is a phrase I hear all the time because of it. Um, so in the B2B, B2C, and then there's the B2B to C, right? There's always that. That's always a, a very popular uh, statement here in Chicago, but where you're at with with your application and your market, uh, obviously you're, you're 
very big here in Chicago, very big around the country, as well as uh, you, I know you have some some things going on in Canada as well. Um, what are some of the interesting trends that you're seeing in regards to to commuters and and like as you phrased, you know, making travel uh, more pleasurable, easier. Uh, it, 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 really interested to see how are you accomplishing that? What are you seeing in the marketplace? What are some of the trends that people just don't wouldn't be able to see if they didn't have access to your data? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing that uh, I do love about us is because we're involved in airport parking and event parking and daily commuters or people going out for the weekend, you name it, right? If people are moving around, we have to know what's happening. So mm -hmm. we subscribe to a lot of data sources. We pull in data from a lot of places. And then obviously we just have our own universe of users. Um, you know, we, we parked over 40 million cars. So we know what a lot of people are doing. Um, and I'll tell you the last 18 months have been quite the roller coaster. Um, as far as people moving around, right, with COVID, just the wildness that we've seen in the data. Um, but yeah, I mean, what the nice thing is, is people are moving, right? Events are happening. Events are selling out left and right. We're seeing that across the board. Um, even when like Wrigley Field was open at 25% capacity, we were year over 2019, right? Take 2020 out. We were year over year um, up uh, at, at Wrigley Field. And part of that, I think there's Still a lot of hesitation, we have some good data on this, of people that are afraid of public transit. Um, people are still hesitant to get on a train and sit next to someone or sit one seat away from someone. Um, and I think the bigger thing that we've seen, because we, we, we send out a pulse survey to all of our users every six months and find out, or every six weeks to see how they're moving around. Um, people have a lot more flexibility now, whether it's work from home or flexible work hours. Um, and the train schedule just doesn't match that. And I don't know if it ever will, right? The train was built around kind of that nine to five commute. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people that are just saying like, hey, I'm getting used to having breakfast with the kids or I'm home for soccer practice or you name it. Home for and, dinner. Um, I mean, yeah, home, just home for dinner, right? right? Uh, like... Or they're just not really wanting to, um, you know, the traffic isn't what it used to be. Now traffic is back, but it's back for really small peaks. So people kind of spread around, hey, I can work seven to three instead of nine to five, right? People are shifting around those hours. Um, we're seeing all that in the data and we're seeing that people are definitely coming back. Um, what's interesting though, is even with lower capacity. So we talked to like a, a CBRE or some of the businesses uh, that own and manage buildings. Occupancies are still not all the way back mm -hmm. uh, as far as people in the offices every day. Um, but we're definitely seeing that people are coming back and when they do, they're preferring to drive, which has been interesting. Um, now, the green person to me, right, the person that loves the environment gets a little nervous about that because a lot of cars on the road. Um, but we actually did a really cool study with Nepal a couple of years ago where we proved that by using Spot Hero, you stop circling, you stop looking for parking, you find parking faster and you're actually reducing emissions. So, like, I feel like even though people are driving, we're helping reduce that. So I feel at least OK with it, which which is helpful. That's a great point. And I, I'm a longtime customer. Uh, every time I head into the city, it's, the it, you know, ways and then. Spot Hero are my two moves, and then maybe Audible. A good book on tape helps you get through get through the, the stress of the commute. It does. It definitely does. You combine those three, right? You, you get the stress out of the commute from the book and distracts you. Waze gets you there faster, and we help you navigate the last quarter mile and take that last little bit of stress out. That's, that's not a bad way to go. Beats the train, for sure. <laughs> now, you mentioned previously uh, before, like, uh, it's been a roller coaster over the last 18 months, and I think you know, we rolled the tape back to, to March and like that Thursday, I just remember the Thursday of like, we went from like 9am, you can work from home tomorrow to, 
you're all working from home tomorrow was like 4 p.m. Right. So it all happened within like eight hours. And yes, it's been 18 months since that day, really. Um, you, you talked about how that impacted uh, Spot Hero and the organization. It, it, tell us that story, because I really think that's a, an awesome story. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember that date because we were actually on vacation and um, we, were, we, were, we were local vacation. It was a driving vacation because we knew things were a little hairy. Um, and, and things started closing. I remember the, the NBA game uh, and Gobert, I think, got, or the Jazz got pulled off the floor. And it was like, oh, this is real. Um, so we kind of, the exec team scrambled, got on the phone. Um, and overnight, we saw a 45% reduction in, in revenue, just overnight, right? From Thursday to Friday, it was like, well, that's wow. unusual. Friday's usually a good day for us. And instead it was because of what you said, right? People instantly were closing offices and, and stopping moving. Um, and even if you look at like some of the old Apple mobility data, um, you saw right a pretty quick drop. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty instant for us. And uh, over the balance of March, I think we ended up ending the month or going into April um, down ninety percent. You think about we're, we're a mobility company, right? We rely on people going to sporting events, flying, driving to work, going out to ding, dinner and drinks with their friends. Um, that's a scary time, right? You don't normally get a pause in your business where you have a six to eight week runway of, you know, down 90% and kind of a chance to pause and rethink things. And that's really what we did. I mean, I, I give a bunch of credit to, to the rest of the exec team here, all the employees here, because we took that in stride and we really pivoted quickly. We went and looked and um, dove into the data, started talking to customers, started talking to much other businesses, right? Reevaluated what was happening in the world and what, what our position was going to be in that. Um, and what we try to do as much of that as possible is during that is not look at our feet, right? And not woe is me. We started looking out, okay, this is going to end. Whether it's 14 days to flatten the curve, mm -hmm. four months to the end of wave <laughs> one, you know, nine months to the end of wave two. And, uh, you know, whatever those lights at the end of the tunnels were, we kept picking those out and trying to build for those and trying to plan for those. Um, and like, we, we didn't really slash and burn a lot in the R&D side. We actually kept our entire labs team together because we said there is an end to this tunnel and we want to be able to be there. Did we pivot some of their work? For sure, right? Um, for the people that were still going to work, the essential workers, A, thank you. B, um, you know, we, we put a big touchless button in the thing. So if you wanted to park somewhere where you didn't have to interact with another human being or touch a shared machine, you could. And we'd highlight those spots and move you in. So like we made some strategic pivots in the product roadmap but we also didn't stop the work we were doing. Um, we tried to stay focused on where we needed to be. Um, that's actually when we started our expansion into Canada. Now, um, obviously they stayed locked down a little longer than us, but actually allowed us to really grow and set the foundation for Canada to take off like it is now, now that we're kind of through um, the lockdowns there. But yeah, um, the one thing we made sure not to do, which I, I, I had to imagine was tough for so many companies was not get trapped in the looking at the balance sheet every day and, and making balance driven decisions as opposed to balance sheet driven decisions, as opposed to looking mm -hmm. out and saying, at some point this is over and we want to be there. We, we need to be there for people when it's over. And how do we do that? I love it. You guys were not victims in this, right? You just kept being innovative yeah. and creative and that takes a really strong team. I would imagine. Yeah. It took a strong team. It took a, a lot of phone calls and, uh, you know, a, a lot of time, on, I mean, couldn't get face to face, right? So a lot of phone calls and a lot of just, you know, scenario planning. I, I can't count the amount of reforecasts and kind of um, recost exercises and the amount of, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the things we cut out, right? The engineers going in and 
reducing hosting costs because we didn't have the same traffic levels and all the work that went into, hey, if we can cut some money here, how many more engineers can we keep? Or how many more product people can we keep thinking about the future? How many designers can we keep interviewing customers and keep kind of our pulse on things? So we had to make some tough trade-offs, but um, you know, we're on the other side of it and we're doing awesome. So it definitely, um, it was the right trade-offs to make. But I mean, talking to a lot of the other mobility companies like we do, all of us were in that same boat where, you know, you look at mobility, you look at restaurants, all almost to a, a group of us, you know, we went to zero overnight or not, you know, down 90, down 85%, whatever it is. And you see how the restaurant companies pivoted to delivery and everything else. We didn't have a pivot, right? We had to just figure out how to make, make it through and then be there on the other side. It is uh, the pivot versus persist, right? It's like, no, we, we, we got a winner. Can we bridge the gap, right? Can we, can we make the, whatever that jump is? So, and, and as Shelly mentioned, it's a good test of a leadership team, right? What do you think are some of the things that, that uh, happened within that, like the forecasting calls and, and, you know, what made it possible for you guys to keep that heads up, right? The things are, are not going great. What are some of the things that you were doing to keep your folks motivated, to keep their heads up, to keep them moving? Yeah, I think um, one thing we did is we went completely transparent, right? We try to take as much of the fear, uncertainty, and doubt out of the org. So um, we have uh, a dashboard that kind of just shows how we're pacing daily um, against our plan, against um, all of our financials. And we just opened up to the whole org. We just started sending an email every morning to the entire org. If you're worried about how we're doing, here's where we are. Here's what we planned for. You know, we went to weekly all um, AMAs, you know, ask Mark or CEO anything. Um, he was extremely transparent. All of us went to our work and said, here's, where, here's the situation we're in. And we just stayed as transparent as possible. And when we did a, any of the pivots that we did along the way, we were really open and honest with the team on what we're doing and why, and really explaining the decision-making. Um, I, I think it's a testament to how over-communicative we were and also how receptive our org was and our people were um, in the fact that like, um, I'm calling it right now, we're in the middle of a baby boom at Spot Hero. Like if you look at what happened during COVID, um, you know, the initial pass I really thought was, oh my God, there's going to be so many babies because everybody's trapped at home. And what ended up happening is economy shrinks, people don't have kids. We've had, I don't know, 30 babies in our org in the last like three months. Um, so we must've done a good job of making people feel safe and secure because they didn't, they stayed on path with what they were doing in their home life and didn't have that fear of losing their job and not being able to support a family. So I'm, I'm really proud of what we did from a communication and just complete open and transparency. Um, and the fact that, it, you know, I, I think it gave a lot of our team, a lot of really safe uh, kind of landing spots or feeling, you know, they, a lot of them hunker down into work because I think that's where they felt the safest, honestly. Yeah. Well, that's the best way to build trust. I love that. Yeah, I think it's, I applaud you and the rest of your leadership team for that over-communicate, especially in crisis, when it's like sometimes the last thing you want to do is talk about the not great news, right? CEOs, and, and I know Mark's an awesome visionary and, and tremendous, but I think that's a risk for many CEOs is that they trend to stay, you know, almost over-optimistic, right? Because that's kind of their job, right? So having these negative conversations, sometimes it's just really not something they want to participate in. So it's, I, I applaud you. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. So now you're, you're in a position, right? Where you've been through your battle tested, you went through the startup phase, you went through another startup phase, right? That, that 
you know, every startup organization has that early survival moment of like, how do you get to a point of, of, you know, escape velocity and you, you, you almost had a second one happen, but now you're a, a mature nine to 10 year startup. You know, how do you, how do you keep innovation going? How do you, right. You've got, you've got a very large portion of the market, a very fractured market. And it, there's a great opportunity. Like you mentioned 40 million cars parked. How do you, how do you keep going when you've already got a lot of success? And then this is one of those challenges in every organization. You get to that point of how do we stay at, at that predictable success level? Yeah. And that's, you know, I think part of what, what drew me here, right. Was, um, you know, Mark and Larry, the co-founders, when, when I was talking to them, th there was that bit of like, we, we want to be, product engineering led. We want to be a company that is looking out in the future and, you know, sitting down at the table with them and talking through, if I join, you know, what does that mean for us? What do we do differently? Um, and, and just being able to come in and introduce, like I said, we've got a labs team, a research team that's well-funded, that's out, out looking around corners, right? We don't want to get disrupted. Um, and we do a lot of horizon planning where we do do kind of horizon one, the short-term plan, horizon two, that two to three-year plan, and horizon three, that five-year plan. And we invest against all three of those areas um, to try to stay away from getting kind of caught uh, flat-footed, so to speak. Um, the, the other thing, which, which you mentioned, right, is parking is still very fragmented. There's still a lot of um, new technology entrants. There's still a lot of old technology in the space, a lot of, um, you know, manual. I mean, there's still, I, I love New York, but in New York, you know, still 90-something percent of it is valet, right? And, and a lot of that is cash-driven. So you still have a lot of just people talking to other human being, handing cash and going back and forth. There's ways we make that a lot better. Um, but, you know, there's stuff like that that we're going to continue to innovate through. Even um, on the comeback from COVID, understanding the new driving patterns, right? We're the only one, because if you said our size, that has the demand data that can really understand how people are moving, when they're moving, uh, at both a macro level, but also enough data at a micro level to really hone in on the West Loop versus the Loop versus Gold Coast, right? Like, we can tell you the story in all three of those areas and what's different. Um, and we've been able to build, especially even during COVID, build products that take advantage of that and help operators, the garage facility managers understand how to run their businesses more successfully. So there's, there's a lot still to do here to digitize and parking and make it a lot more of an efficient business, but also one that's a better experience for operators and for customers. Um, and that's really what we're, 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 if I talk about my horizon one plan, right, that's what's in that bucket. You know, we get into horizon two planning you know, is there technologies that can make that better? Are there things that we can bring that allow you to have a seamless experience everywhere you go or have a more smooth experience? And then Horizon 3, I mean, that's the wacky stuff, right? You throw against the wall. Um, you know, we, we, we probably all heard and saw the buzz around like ghost kitchens three years ago where, oh, there's this unused space in a garage. Let's put a kitchen in there that can do DoorDash delivery only or Grubhub delivery only or you know, oh, we're going to put drone charging on the roof, right? Like that stuff's wacky, but like we're going to look into it because we want to make sure that we're not caught off guard by any of that. We're really good at at putting stuff in a place and monitoring it, knowing when that space is occupied and knowing how to monetize it, whether that's a car or a drone or whatever else, like we understand that. So let's spend some time and effort looking at that stuff. So, um, you know, it is a bit of, you know, we need to stay focused on what's in front of us, but also allow a select group of people or a small group of people the time to let their minds wander and look at all the, the, the endless possibilities that can happen out there, whether it's an autonomous car pulling in and parking itself or um, a drone doing an Amazon delivery off your roof, right? Like we'll figure out um, which of those are real and which isn't. Um, and even like we're spending some time right now on understanding the electric infrastructure of cities, because if we get into charging cars and 
How do you charge a car at a location if you're going to do destination charging? What does that mm. look like? How do you pay for that? How does an operator facilitate that? What does it feel like for the customer? Because I don't necessarily need to charge every day, but when I do, I need to charge for a long time. Um, and how do we move the car and let another car charge when I'm full, right? Like it's, it's not the same uh, mm. problem as gas, right? It's a very different situation. So, you know, we try not to close any of those avenues off. We try to, to stay diverse enough in our thought that, that none of that's off the table, but also understanding that like, you can't spend a bunch of time and money on those either. You've got to nibble at those. And then when you get kind of a bite, then you know, it's real. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and I, I very familiar with your labs, obviously, uh, uh, they presented last year at the Roundtable Summit and really great, amazing thoughts. What I love is that uh, as you are a mature, established startup, you still have people out in the field doing the research, getting dirty, right? And I think that's one of the things when I see a lot of organizations, they they start moving that research internally and they stop interacting directly with like the, the three-dimensional, you know, this is how our service and good is consumed or used. And I, I just, I think it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's something that I, when I talk to people and they talk about how they need to do innovation, I bring up uh, your labs organization and say, look, you got to make some budget for it. You got to like keep these people out of the money-making business. Right. And just in the, what, where are we making money next business? Right. And that's, I think that's unfortunately too often here in Chicago organizations, they, they've let those innovation muscles atrophy over the last 20, 30 years of, you know, succeeding in their individual industry. So. Yeah, that's um, we're actually doing right now because um, Chicago was different than New York, which is different than Seattle, which is different than San Francisco. Um, our design team is leading um, with our sales team, right? Get, get in, in the garages. We're going to we're going city to city with a small group of people and just letting them stand in the lanes and say hi to customers. They come in and answer questions and ask questions and do some kind of guerrilla testing this out in all the different cities to understand just how different they can all be. Um, which, you know, you can't lose that. Like to your point, once you stop going out and talking to your customers, and in our case, right, our operators and our drivers, right, talking to both, you're lost, right? You, you start just trusting what's worked before and you start, you're on the inevitable shrinking path, right? You've got to keep looking for that next thing that grows you and, and, and allows you to expand and understand what's coming around the corner. Like I can't, I can't highlight that enough. You've got to be looking around that corner for the next thing. So as chief product officer, I, I, give us something. What is your best question to be, you know, a troublemaker, right? Like what's the thing when you're talking to your team about keeping your eyes around the corner, you know, there's some great questions I've heard uh, like, your competitor builds a business, you're the best thing to defeat you next door. What is it they're doing? I love that question because it, it actually gets everybody to say the thing that's going to scare them the most of like, but then they have to, it scares them because now they know how much work they have to do to actually defeat themselves. Right. Sarah, what's your best question? Ooh. I know putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> Take your time. No. Yeah, that's fine. We've got time. Um, I don't know if it's a question, but I really always push my team to um, react with wonder. And, and what I mean by that is when you see something happening, wonder why, and also don't be afraid to be wowed by something, right? So even if it's something you think is super simple, 
take it down a couple levels and understand really what's happening there because you're going to be surprised at how complex a lot of things are. It's like being open to wonderment and being open to like just that curiosity and that exploration of ideas or what someone else is doing. Like you can see that everywhere you go, right? Take drive in one day to work and just pay attention to everything that's happening as you're coming in. You're going to find 17 things that you didn't think about that you deal with every single day. And all of them are super complex and take time to digest those and take time to kind of pull those apart. Um, I think that's the key thing for anyone in a product role, whether you're a product designer or a product manager, is staying open to um, the whys of things and really that curiosity. I think that's the biggest thing I always push anyone that's trying to get into product or someone that's been in it for a long time when I mentor people is don't lose that wonderment, right? Once you kind of get that callous of like, oh, I've been in this for a while or, oh, I know how everything works or I know this industry really well. Right? That's where that's exactly when your point, your competitor comes around and surprises you. It's because you've, you've stopped staying curious. And um, that's the one thing that I hire for. That's the one thing I push for. That's the one thing that I, I always challenge my team on is what's something you didn't expect today, right? What's, the, what's that thing that, that they're doing that is completely shocking to you? And it doesn't even have to be in your same industry. Like again, it's for mobility. We can look at something interesting lifted or do look at something interesting that Waze is doing um, and just take time to digest it and try to understand what the problem was they were trying to solve. So I bet you we share the same problems. Um, but that's the hard thing for, you know, people that are seasoned and in product for a while is getting that, those walls to come back down of like, oh, you don't know everything, right? There's a lot that you don't know. And let's keep reinforcing that there's a lot that you can learn every day. Um, But yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily a question, but it's more of a mindset that I try to instill. No, I, I love that mindset, Matt. And I'm curious, do you have like innovation sessions with your team or, or how do they share these ideas across the organization? Yes, I mean, we, we try to foster um, two things, right? One is inside of my team, um, like working sessions, especially because if you're in one lane or you're working on one problem, right, you can kind of get blind to the rest. So every, uh, every other week, we kind of try to peel back the onion and, and get the team kind of sharing ideas or problems that they're running into, um, especially as we, you know, we get into quarterly planning. Like that's always fun to kind of get the, the cross squads kind of challenging each other. Um, but the other thing, we have like an open Slack channel that is just, product ideas, because we know that product doesn't have all the ideas. We probably have not even half the ideas, probably not even a third of the ideas, right? The rest of the org that deals with customers or deals with operators on a day-to-day basis, they're going to hear a lot more of the pain points than we do. So we have an open Slack channel that actually creates a JIRA ticket for all you people that are weighing in the details here. Um, and we just, we, we love fostering ideas from the org, right? We're not going to be the experts. That's one of the things, again, the humility that comes with the role is understanding that great ideas are going to come from all over the org. Um, and so we push as much of that as possible. So we kind of have a way that we do it inside the group. And then we have a way that worldwide people can just funnel stuff at us. And then a third thing we do that I forgot to mention is um, we also have discovery days. So our engineers are given uh, a day after every single sprint to go in and kind of just pick apart a thing, right? Whether it's something like building in more accessibility into our, our app or something that just want to learn on their, you know, learn and teach each other about, but everybody gets uh, a day at the end of every sprint and then they share it with everyone else. So um, as an org, we try to foster all that cross learning as well. Also, when Sprint ends, um, everyone showcases to the entire company. So like teams and everyone in the company get to ask questions. And it's interesting to see what people ask engineers about how they build stuff, because it's just a different way of thinking. And you, it can cause kind of a V1 to a V1.5 to a V2.0, just in, you know, an hour company-wide demo. That's great. One of the things you touched on was that uh, 
they don't know everything. We don't know everything. And then like the curiosity part, I saw a presentation the other day where they said a person's creative thought process throughout the day is less than 18% of their brain usage. There's so much we know, right? We become competent and unconscious, you know, you're not, it's not new anymore. And you, that's the, what this person's point was, this is the real risk of innovation is that you think that 82% of what you're doing is not innovatable. I don't know if that's a word. I'm going to use it there. It is now. It is now. <laughs> but I, I think that's that. That's the real risk is like you're looking for innovation in places where, you know, you're waiting for a big bang and it should be question everything at all times. Just why do we do this? Why do we do this? Why, why is this happening? So I, I, I think that's fantastic. And I do think that wonder is a great concept to keep people reinforcing and hiring for. I think curious is definitely, if you're in a growing business, uh, it, the criticality of hiring curious people, right. Who are constantly self-learning, self-pushing. So that idea, I'm going to turn it over to Shelly to ask one of our favorite questions. We love finding out who has been your mentor or who are your mentors uh, that you've had during your success, during your failures, anything that, that you could share with us. Yeah. So when I saw the, or, you know, when, when I, when I saw the question or heard the question, um, two names pop into my head. Um, one was really early in my career when I was still trying to figure out, you know, you're 25, you're like, I don't know. I, I went to school. I kind of idea what I want to be when I grow up, but now I'm growing up and I've got to figure this out fast. Um, uh, it was a guy, um, Mike stole way back, you know, at the beginning of my career. And, um, what he did for me was really taught me that, the, the humility part of this, right? Like I just mentioned with, with the curiosity, um, you know, you're 25, you think you know everything. And, and he really grounded me in the fact that like, you may know a lot of things, but any two people know more than you. Yeah. Any three people definitely know more than you and any group of people are going to be smarter than any single person. And he really started building into me that idea of like servant leadership or that ability to kind of take a step back and absorb all the information around you and bring other people in, right? Everything goes better as a team. He was a big team guy. Um, and really taught me how to build teams that are successful and how to work together. Um, and that was pre being in product, right? This was when I was in an ops role and, um, but just some really good like management skills, some really good life skills on just how to, how to bring people together and really unify and head towards goals and energize people and, and, and focus people, um, and, and, and bring everyone's talent to the front forefront. Um, so it's just like great management skills. He was just fantastic. And we still talk to this day, right? Whatever, 15, 20 years later. Um, and then in the product role, um, and in the leadership role from, from a product perspective, um, Tony Zola, uh, who's a Chicago guy. Um, and, and what he did for me is really taught me that, you know, when to, um, you know, like how to do different types of like lean testing and understanding like voice of the crowd and understanding how to really dive through a lot of product skills. But more importantly than that, it was more of that when to take a stand and what to take a stand for, right. As you move into leadership and you're willing to, you know, what are the hills to die on and what when does it when is it something where you have to kind of be a force of nature and be like i don't care we're going this way and and this is a decision we're making um which is really critical especially when you're talking about innovation or something else right you're going to put people in a really uncomfortable spot you're going to go for things that maybe have a 90 percent failure rate but you've got to have that conviction and that belief and that ability to kind of rally the troops around it and um and really focus people on Hey, this may not work and it's going to be fine. And guess what? It's probably going to work because you got that belief in everyone behind you. Um, those two people really um, shape the way I think about problems and the way I think about teams and the way I think about people and the way that we really 
go after and solve them. And yeah, one is, is how to bring everyone together. And the other one is when you have them all together, how do you take that stand and make it useful um, and make it impactful really? Um, and yeah, I, I definitely would not be where I am without either one of them and, and their teachings and, and all their help along the way. That's awesome. And uh, it's a great story. I love the beginning. Uh, and I just want to say thanks for taking the time today. Uh, really great stuff. Unique perspective, a lot of success. Uh, you know, we're cheering for you. Uh, looking forward to the, what's coming up next, making it even easier. Very excited and happy for you, for you and for Spot Hero. Uh, huge part of the, the tech space here in Chicago. One of our, I think our, one of the jewels in the tech space crown here in Chicago, definitely. So uh, congratulations again on your success. And, and thanks so much for, for taking the time to, to talk with us today. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. This was great. Awesome. We also want to thank you, our listeners. We really appreciate everyone taking the time to join us. And if you'd like to receive new episodes as they're published, you can subscribe by visiting our website at dragonspears.com slash podcast, or find us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was sponsored by Dragon Spears and produced by Dante32.